here I am with Fiona Hardy, uh, lead singer with Slalom D, an artist. How are you? I'm great, thank you. Um, just getting ready for leaving for rebellion, so a bit hectic in the middle of dying my hair, so uh, the joys of being a punk rocker. <laughs> so your, sur your surname is Hardy? It, well, it was. My surname now is Duncan. Okay, but it's a Hardy that I'm going to ask the question about. Okay, that's fine. Are, are you related in any way to uh, Kiss Me Hardy from uh, Nelson's Day? No. Uh, no, it was, it was by marriage. Okay. <laughs> well, as far as I know, no. Right. It could be. I'll have to look into it. Because <laughs> there's, there's a Hardy on my, grand, my granddad's side who, who were from, uh, from Sunderland Way. Oh, and right. the, the, the folklore down the line was that we were related to Hardy in the Kiss Me Hardys uh, the, uh, uh, scene. So, you know, it's... Uh, there is a lot of folklore coming from Sunderland about different things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you kind of like, we've never, whatever my granddad said, we always suck with a pinch of salt. But, you know, you, you, you never know, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you, you were born in Sunderland. Yeah. Yeah, Sunderland born and bred. And you, uh, when did you, uh, uh, when did you first realise that music was important for you? Oh, at school. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I was a teenager through the eighties. Yeah. And it gets a lot of stick. It's kind of the decade, the taste forgotten. It. That was that was a brilliant time to be a teenager, music wise. Yeah. And and it was that decade of kind of tribes as well. Yeah. Where it became really defined. There were people at school who were into heavy metal. There were people who were into punk. There were people who were into new romantics. And everybody had their own. It became very obvious that you could define yourself purely by the records that you bought. Yeah. And that really grabbed us. Um, yeah, there's a few people that I've met Recently, they haven't seen me since school, and they're like, "Wow, you've you know, I can't believe you're in a band or you've changed." But I was always like that. I just didn't have. Um, I was very quiet. Yeah. Didn't hadn't found my voice, and I think that's what music gave us. You know, it gave us an identity. It gave us a chance to, to yeah, say things that I couldn't do without it. So massively important. So which was, which was the first record you bought then? Oh, it was probably Complete Madness. I got right. some birthday money. And yeah. uh, that was the first album anyway, because that was really popular at the time. That was kind of... And it was only popular with the lads, and I always kind of sort of... Yeah. I think I bought some Duran Duran as well. But the first the first single was probably the Wombles or something like that. <laughs> you know how everybody goes, oh, my first single was, you know, Damned New Rose, the very first print. Nah, most people were like buying, you know. So you were... Possibly The Sweet, because I had yeah. a big thing. I love a big thing for The Sweet. See, my first record was Blondie Denis. See, that's but, very cool. But at the same time, I also bought the Scottish World Cup song and... Father Smurf or Father yeah. Abraham. 
you know, so I kind of like, I lose a bit of credibility when I get down to yeah, the, the, uh, the third one, you know what I mean? But I, it, <laughs> actually, honestly, I think I was 10 at the time, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, when did you first become uh, aware of punk? Um, I left school. Well, I'm, I was aware of punk at school because sort of when I was in the first year, second year, all the lads in the fifth year were punks. Yeah. But obviously we, you know, didn't have anything to do with it. They were grown-ups at that time, you know. I mean, 15-year-olds at our school had beards and more more age, you know. Um, and then they all left. And, and that was kind of the end of it. I didn't... I would see people about in the streets, but... Um, and we had punk bands that came from our school, so I was aware of them, but it wasn't, it was kind of on my peripheral vision. And then I went to art college, and when I was 16, because I didn't know what else to do, and art was the only thing. You know, it, it was like yeah. that in the end. I don't know what I'm going to do, so I'll join. And there were all these amazing people with dyed hair and who were listening to the cramps and... You know, all all this stuff that I'd never heard of before and it was the era of mixtapes. So and then the damned were on top of the pops. Yeah. And that kind of sale of the deal. So I found a lot of the music that I love now, retrospectively, they're kinda of gone. Yeah. You know? Um and it and there was a lot of other stuff around then, you know, there was a lot of cock rock and and a lot of the, the punk bands had stopped touring. So you kind of just listen to whatever was out there and went to gigs, whatever gigs you could, yeah. you know? And then I think sort of in my 20s, it became a, a, a seal deal. Does that make sense? Yeah. Do you remember the first band you went to see? The Damned. Was The Damned. Yeah. Yeah, the 80s. In, in Sunderland or Newcastle? London. London, okay. And it was a big, that was an eye-opener. Yeah. They played the, because I didn't know that much about them at the time. And we didn't have the internet, so you couldn't look things up. Um, and they played the intro to Smash It Up, yeah. which I hadn't heard. And me and my friend thought it was the interval. <laughs> you, know you, got, you know when you got like a little musical yeah, yeah. intro when you went for pictures? Yeah. What's happening and then, here? And then Dave really came back on and said, smash it up and the whole place just went, yeah. So, yeah, that was a bit of an introduction. Yeah. But it was good. Yeah. Never look back. They're still... In me t I have the Holy Trinity of the Damned, New Model Army, and Killing Joke. And they're still up, up there. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of like the that... Because the northeast particularly Sunderland, County Durham, and Scotland, because I grew up in Scotland, so I kind of like, I, I, I knew what was still happening when I moved away and what still does happen. Seems to be the, the two cornerstones of punk and punk bands in, in the UK, you know. Why do you, yeah. think, why do you think Sunderland, County Durham, kind of like uh, kept a tradition, still keeps a tradition of, of uh, young uh, or upcoming Bands, new bands, punk bands. I can only speculate. 
But from my point of view, it was, we had a lot of people who were creatives. We still have a lot of people who were creatives. Um, but in the 70s and the 80s, it wasn't, it wasn't the done thing for young men to be writing poetry or singing or, but you could if it was set to a punk soundtrack. It still had that macho, do you know what I mean? Yeah. It had that aggressiveness. And I think and it, it appealed to us as underdogs, you know? I think when it was in London, and again, this is just purely my point of view, it was very, it was an art school scene and it was, it was work class. But once it got up here, it re the work class really did get hold of it and go, we, we can do this, you know? We can, we can wear outrageous clothes and we can do things with our hair, but it still has that layer of, We've got, punk gives you a kind of protection. Yeah. Does that make sense? You know? Yeah. The lads could still do it and not be called out for it. They could be, and I think that's still, we've got a lot to say and we don't feel like anybody's listening. I think that's the gist of it. So it's to give yourself a voice. I think so, yeah. Yeah. And I think it was one of the only the only means that was open, especially to, to kids like I grew up with and I was, because it was that idea of you don't have to be perfect musicians, you don't have to be um, a brilliant songwriter, a lot, as it turns out a lot of people were. You can just do it and get on with it. The, nobody else was saying that to us, yeah. you know? Sorry, just this is my partner and he's helping us. I mean, more batch you want to put on there. Loads more, thank you. He's helping uh, us make uh, artwork for Rebellion, so he's gluing bits and pieces together for us. So. <laughs> Where do you want them around this, around this side? Yes, thank you. <laughs> but yeah, I think it was, there wasn't anything, especially in the 80s when I left school. You know, I think I had one careers interview and it was basically, what factory do you want to go and work? And it was, what factory? There was, oh, go to college and do, and do something. You yeah. know, there wasn't any encouragement or any, yeah. We never got there, well, you do what you want. It was just, yeah, there's a couple of avenues open. So I think as soon as, Bands like Red Alert and people like that saw that there was a chance they could do something. Yeah, they were going. And that, that, I don't think that's ever really left us. So. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of like, the, the, I, I saw you sing at the, uh, the, the uh, Menzies Memorial gig. Yeah. Uh, when when did, did you become friends with uh, Tommy, with Menzies? Yeah, it, that I mean, that still seems really surreal and a bit kind of, you know, I still kind of sort of bit spoke to Neil about it, Neil Newt, and was yeah. just like, why did, why did you ask us? Um, yeah, we were, we were friends, we weren't close friends, but we knew each other a long time. It was one of those where we saw each other at gigs. Um, but when I joined Salem Day, he the band put a message out on Facebook saying, this is our new singer. 
somebody who's never sang before, never wrote a song before, can't play it, but this, you know, which was bizarre as well. And he just put welcome under it, which is, do you know what I mean? That, yeah. For somebody who listens to rock and roll, that's like Elvis messaging them, you know? <laughs> it, it was a big deal, and it is yeah. still a big deal. And I was surprised to be asked, asked, but it was one of those things where I was like, well, I don't think I can do it. I don't think I can do it justice. But I can't, you can't say no to something like that. Yeah. You know? It was terrifying, but it was, yeah, I'm glad I did it. Yeah. And it was an amazing night for him, yeah. Yeah, I think it was a pretty special show. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And I'm massively honoured to be be part of it. Especially yeah. that song as well, you know? When he, when he interviewed Neil, I, I did get a bit stuck in my throat when, because kind of like, where we are at this moment in time, I made the point, it's really where the communities need leaders like Menzi. You know, yeah. and it, it's kind of like, it, it's very much over the, you know, since he passed in December that there's a missing void of of, of, a, of a vocal piece and a, a, a man that was uh, had great yeah. integrity. Just having known that that support was there, you know, you didn't have to see him all the time. We weren't in constant contact. But just knowing, you know, being a big believer in, in the left wing and... And you know, you just see all this stuff on Facebook and on the news, and you feel like a lone voice sometimes. Yeah. And then you see him pop up, and you go, no, I'm on the right side. No, this is... And we, we used to say that about upstart gigs. Yeah. It was like recharging those batteries. Yeah. Because you were in a room full of people that thought like you. Yeah. And he thought like us. And it really... Yeah. Just it was, yeah, it was a good feeling, and that is, it'll come again, and there'll be other people, but not in the same way. He's massively yeah. missed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I first saw them in 1980, and uh, then spent a couple of years around them, uh, and I kind of, I, 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 when I saw the band with Tommy the last time at the, the second Pipeline gig, he looked a lot more relaxed than he was in the early 80s, where he always he was always looked a bit suspicious of, of people. Yeah. And kind of like, you know, he, he was always aware that things could happen at any one time, you know. But yeah. you, I could see that the band were really tight and I could see he was just content with being on stage. I mean, the, the, the times were saw at Rebellion, and I think, I can't remember what year the first one was, but he posted on Facebook, and, you know, it's, it's kind of, he's weathering the storm. I don't think, he gave the illusion that he wasn't sure what kind of reception he was going to get. Yeah. And you could just see him on, like, and obviously they went down storm, you know. And I think that was his, his post afterwards was, you know, I stormed the weather. And it was... Yeah. I mean, there was never any day for us, but you got the impression that he wasn't sure. And I think once that gig went well, you know. But it is, the, I've talked to Neil about it, and I'm getting a, 
a fraction of it because obviously nobody's heard of us. But if you set your stall out to have a specific political lean to it, then, you know, some people are going to flock to you and some people are going to flock to you for the wrong reasons, you know. But he never wavered in that. And yeah. I always found that amazing and, and something I would try to emulate, but not entirely sure I'm brave enough. Yeah. Yeah. He, he was always kind of like, for the, for the first times I'm, I was around him, he would hardly say anything. And then, I think it was before a gig in Manchester he, uh, at the sound check. He was like, "So, uh, what, what's your politics then?" Uh, and I answered him, and my politics is still the same today as it were back then. You know, probably more militant yeah. than it was back then. You know, but it, as soon as after that, he was a lot more relaxed with me. You know, and he'd open up and talk. You know, well, it was a real danger up here. You know, I mean. I remember getting a bottle thrown out in the street, and I wasn't even care. I was like 16, 17, because somebody had seen us in a pub, and I had, you know, like a Rock Against Racism badge on my jacket. And I wasn't particularly militant, I just knew people who were into that. And there was a, there was a big divide, some of which still last till this day. And yeah. People got hurt and gigs got attacked. So it was a real, and the, it's it's a lot better for the most part, but there are times where you're at gigs now and that, that kind of memory stays with you and you sort of go, you know, my partner will go, let's move back because I don't want these behind us. And Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. a lot of the time it's paranoia, some of the time it's not. And, yeah. So I totally get why you would be like that. Yeah. It's still a bit like that. Yeah. You know, somebody messages you and you just, you want to check out why that, yeah. So the, the, you're, you're going to sing with the uh, Rebellion one, one song? Yeah. 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 First time at Rebellion singing. And yeah. With my band, with our band, and then with the upstart, so that's, I'm trying not to think about it. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be. And at the end of the day, I'm the least important person there. It's not about me. No. But there's, there's a serious, one, don't want to let the lads down. Yeah. Don't want to let him down. And it'll be fine. But, yeah. And just doing that song, because Tony was a, good friend of mine as well, you know. So there's a lot of emotions wrapped up in in all those songs, you know. There was a lot of people involved. Yeah. And it brings them all to mind, so yeah. And it's such a powerful song as well. Yeah, it's an amazing song. Yeah. The lyrics are fantastic. It's just everything about it. Yeah. Everything about it. Yeah. I mean, what people... It was always a statement when they played it, you know? Yeah. I mean, what people don't kind of like sometimes stray away with the upstarts is that Menzi tried so many different avenues rather than just do one, two, three, four, and off you go. Yeah. You, know, you know, the variety of the, the songs are, are fantastic. Totally. And I, th 
when you're actually trying to learn, because the, there was a few different options, so I learned a few songs, and they're all, and I mean, I'm like I've said from the start, I'm not a musician or anything, but I'm picking things up, and I'm writing me own lyrics and going, this isn't just all, this isn't just, you know, he didn't find something that worked and just stuck with it. Yeah. The nuances in all these songs. Yeah. And when you sing along and you're in the audience, you go, yeah, it's pretty basic. And then you get into it and it's like, no, there's a, there's a lot more going on with it. And I appreciate that a lot more now. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. So Rebellion, you, you, as an artist, you sell your art at Rebellion. Yeah. Uh, how, how does that work? When did you start selling? I went down, the first time I went to Rebellion was in 2006, and it was, be, I was going with uh, my friends who were Holy Racket at the time. One of them needed a lift, and then he said, can you give two guys that are no lift? And it turned out to be Decker Wade and Neil Newton at the upstarts. So I was like, yeah, no problem. That was a very interesting journey. <laughs> I'll never drive them again. <laughs> but, yeah, I got Rebecca. It was a lot smaller then, but you just thought, wait, this is, you know, the next level of of what the scene's going on with. And I know a lot of people go, it's expensive or what, you know, they'll always have its detractors. But I just think it's done so much good. And there was an art stall, so the next year I got invited. So, yeah, I've been doing it for many years. And it's it's brilliant. It's just, Have you been to Rebellion? I, I haven't been to Rebellion. I, I'm, I'm kind of like, I'm a, I've been tempted so many times, but I, 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 it's, to go fully back in is, is yeah. been, it's been a, a tough decision, you know? Yeah. It's very intense, um, but everything's under one roof in the Winter Gardens, so they use the different venues, um, so there's seven stages, but one room is always designated basically an art space. Right. So I, there's between about 30 and 40 different artists, but they're all people who are involved in punk. You know, it's, it, there isn't a commercial... Well, some people are commercial, but they're still punks. So... Yeah. It's a, it's a really good, it helped me launch my little business, you know. It's a really supportive way. And they really encourage it. So it's it's a good add-on to the festival. Well, it's part of the festival now. It's not an add-on anymore. Yeah. You know? So how else do you sell your art? With great difficulty. It's kind of one of those things. It's, I work part-time. Two jobs, so full time. Yeah. And it's every now and again you go, I want to drop some hours and concentrate on the art. But if it doesn't create a regular income, so it's kind of one of those things that I do when I can. Yeah. And it's through Instagram and it's through Facebook and it's through word of mouth. And it's just, yeah, it is what it is. Hopefully, at some point, I'll be able to do it full time, but... You know, COVID keeps hitting and cost of living crisis and 
yeah. <laughs> all those big things that affect everybody. But yeah, it's the so, <laughs> being a musician and being an artist. Two ways not to make money. Yeah. <laughs> so slalom D yeah. forms, and you weren't an original member. No. You, you, you said previously that you'd never sang before. So how did that step up to uh, to put yourself forward to, uh, was it Craig, the original singer? Yeah, Craig passed away um, very, very suddenly. Massive shock to everybody. And Slalom Day were already booked to play our local pub, The Ivy, which is kind of real community. Hope everybody meets there, and yeah, I mean, any day you go in, there'll be somebody out of some band in Sunderland in there. And we just all got talking about how the gig should still go ahead. You know, Craig had lots of friends, lots of people who were really supportive of Slalom Day, so we kind of they had, I think they had twelve songs. We sort of write, write six of his friends, we'll do two songs each. And again, it was one of those things where it was like, will you do it? And it was like, I have no idea whether I, whether I can do it. But now I've been asked, I'd, I'd be an idiot to say no. So we had a couple of practices, the gig went ahead. It was amazing. We raised 400 odd quid for a local radio, community radio station. And... At the end of the night, one of the lads went, well, that's it, you know. And I took that to be, that's the end of the band. And got a text the next morning going, can we, uh, can we come and talk to you? And me being me, because I got a bit drunk on the night, was like, oh, what did I do? Why did I want to talk to us? What am I going to get wrong for? Shit. And expecting the worst. And they just said, would we want to continue. And basically, there's no plan B. So that was like, right, okay, that's... And, and really agonised about it because it was like, I've never done this. I've been told all my life, I, you know, when you're singing along with something and people go, do you want to stop doing that? I was totally under the illusion that I couldn't sing. It's possibly still true. But just thought, if I say no, that I will regret this for the rest of my life. And also, they were so good that, you know, I didn't want that to be the end of They had some amazing songs, absolutely amazing songs. And they were kind of a new favourite band. So it was, it, it, yeah. It was the worst, you know, what's the worst that can happen? It doesn't work out. And they tell us they made a mistake. And I tried. Was still there. But that's all you can do in life is give something a go. And, uh, you know, if it, if it works out, and it's fantastic. If it doesn't, at least you've given it a try. Totally. But with something like this, it, it feels very... You're exposing yourself completely. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You know... I had to learn really quickly that people put comments on YouTube going, the thing is shit was just like, do you know what, what, yeah. But when you're not used to that, you kind of go, oh, 
who is, right, who's this person who's going to track them down, <laughs> you know. And even now, it's still a bit like, oh, somebody will post a video on YouTube and you just think, this sounds awful. Or, and you, yeah, you've got to, I still feel like a punter, you know. Well, maybe it's not so much now, but there are still elements of that kind of, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. And then when somebody points it out, you go, shit, somebody, you know. And then you realise, oh, actually, they're pointing that out to everybody. So, yeah, it's fine. So when did you join the band? What year? Right, 2019, I think, because kind of COVID, you know, when you've lost that year and you go, how many years ago was it? Yeah. It's 2020, wasn't it? That, that's when COVID kind of like really came so, in. Yeah, it was 2019 then. And I think we did about 12, 12 gigs and then COVID hit. Yeah. So I, I felt like, no, I'm actually, I'm getting used to this. I'm not having massive panic attacks and trying to escape the venue before we go on and and yeah and then it all stopped so it really felt like start from scratch again yeah so yeah not the easiest way to, to begin a music career but yeah. are you, were you still writing during those lockdowns oh I mean it, it really did the band I think all of us came out with a big PTSD, um, you know, like the rest of the country. But up until then, every rehearsal had been getting me ready to do a gig. So it was yeah. practicing the same songs over and over again. It was trying to get tight, make sure I didn't forget things, and you know, and just me practicing doing all that. When we didn't have any gigs coming up, yeah, we wrote an album. So, and I don't think that would have happened as easily or as quickly if we hadn't been just all sitting about. So yeah, it was a good, it was a good thing. And that's been out nearly a year now. So yeah, it was good. So is it because it's, is it fair to say you're you're quite a political band? Yes, Craig was the driving force of that. Um, with full support of the rest of the band. And I think that is one of the reasons that they asked me um, was because I was a good friend of Craig's with that same... I had... Oh, shut up. I had the same... Um, we went to the same protests and we planned things together. and So, yeah. Yeah. And I... I not every song, but I try and write more songs from that kind of, from just my experience in the North Ace, which is most people are all right, you know, and a bit left-wing and a bit socialist and a bit, but it doesn't always appear that way when we're represented on media or, you know. But yeah, it was really important to Craig. Yeah. And I, I would say sort of, it's certainly a driving force for me because I think there. I mean, there are loads. Obviously, I don't know. There are loads of bands like that, but there seemed to be a period where people didn't really want to nail the flag to any particular mast. Yeah, and it was like oh, we just want to have a good time, and we don't want to. 
and I fully support that as well, but there's still room for getting a message out there, I think. It's all the time, you know. It's, there's too many to mention it. Load of 44, high fives, high fives. There's tons going on. You know, I mean, there's literally gigs every week, which kind of died off. Not so, you know, a couple yeah. of years back now, it's, it's picking up momentum. Yeah, it's really good. It's really good. You seem to play quite a lot in the northeast, so there seems to be a lot of punk gigs. Adam is always posting links to punk gigs on WhatsApp or, you know, Facebook. And I'm like, okay, there's another gig. Yeah. Um, we have been we have been sort of advised, you know, if you want to, to progress in your careers, you need to move out. We're all in our 50s. Yeah. You know, we all go to work full time. We all have other things to do with families. We're doing it because we like playing live. So Rebellion is fantastic. We do want to, we played Edinburgh a couple of times, plan on playing Glasgow, and we were going to play Morecambe, unfortunately that's been cancelled. So it's not that we're adverse or, you know, we want to be big fish in a little pond and stay. It's just, at the minute, we haven't got the, it costs a lot, you know? Yeah. And, yeah, we're, we're of an age where we're like, can you do this gig? Well, no, I've got this, I've got that. Oh, what time do you finish work? Or, you know, there's other responsibilities. Um, but we love doing it. So, but yeah, you will always see there's just loads of benefit gigs, which is brilliant to see. Um, but we've got loads of great venues. So, yeah, there's always a lot going on. Punky is... Um... You know, there's a there's a there's a, a scene in the northeast in with regards to punk. Which are the bands currently playing that uh, uh, you appreciate? There's some brilliant stuff coming through. Chaos here, fantastic. Uh, Betty Strawn's band, a load of forty four, and um, Point Blank. Lord, you, I want sound so patronising kids, but they are they're all teenagers and they're doing some fantastic stuff. But we have friends, my partner is involved, and two of my best friends are involved with the Serial Ball Records, which um, Dee Hammond was kind of involved in its formation, and um, they do a lot of stuff in the museum. So Red London are playing there this afternoon with Il Compresso, I think, because they've gone down to Black. I don't think they're playing Rebellion, but they're playing... So there's a huge fringe festival around it now. Yeah. Um, so that's on this afternoon. And the Museum Vaults is just one of the best places. Really old-style pub, front bar, a back room that is smaller than most people's sitting rooms. But the bands that they get on, you know, from all over the world, um, people begging to play this, this tiny pub. Because they get looked after, the people who attend are amazing, and Serial Ball really look after, you know. So that's going to be a, a corker this afternoon. I think they've rescheduled. I'm just looking at me for because normally they play the their afternoon gigs, but I think it's on later this because of the football. So <laughs> we're all a bit excited. <laughs> so the but yeah, yeah. 
Sorry. Sorry, I was just going to say something like Red London, Red Alert, all those bands that, you know, Loudmouth who came out long behind them. Um, I there's a really healthy scene. Really healthy scene. So what's in, what's in store for Slalom D for the future? We're working on another album. On a, that did, you know, that one away, that difficult second album. We're about five songs into that. Um, and it hasn't been as easy to write because we have gigs now and we're, we're, we're playing a lot. So, but that's the, yeah. Playing Rebellion's a, a huge thing for us. Getting a new album together. Um, we're going to take some time off over Christmas. And then, yeah, see what happens next year. So we're just going to keep on doing what we do. You know, there, there isn't a... Um, I think if we were a lot younger, there would be a master plan, but it's kind of... Uh, we're really just... Just enjoy playing. It, it, it's enough, you know. We do get lots of hints and tips about how to progress, and it's kind of... It feels like... What what will happen? Will happen. You know what I mean. Without there's no massive drive to be. You can't be famous and be in a punk band. You know. So just do what we do. Hopefully, yeah, people like. That's what you just got to do. Just just do what you do yeah. and keep your integrity and uh, you know enjoy know. enjoy what you do. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And we do. I mean, I. I've got nothing to compare it to because I haven't been in any, any other bands. But I don't want to do this with any other than the group that we've got. So as long as we can keep us five together, continue doing what we're doing, then it's great. You know, if it's stopped tomorrow, I will be gutted. But I think we've, we've already achieved pretty much what we set out to do, which was... Have, have a good time, we have a laugh, and we've wrote some, in my opinion, some pretty good songs. So, yeah. Thank you, Fee from Slalom D, and good luck for the future. Thanks very much for asking us. Uh, I'm still amazed that anybody ever wants to interview us, so thank you very much. You know, if somebody can take inspiration that, you know, you, you haven't sang in live until you were 48 or, you know, 47, oh, yeah, whatever. Yeah whatever age you were, then, you know, then that's a good thing. And all you can ever do in anything in life is just put yourself out there and, you know, if, if, you never know, you know what I mean? You never know whether well, somebody's going to go, you know, oh, brilliant, what, you know, that's what I want to do. Or she does yeah. art. What kind of art does she do? You know, I can't see anything about it. And then they might find you on, you know, a social media yeah. page and, you know. Well, I mean, that's, that's how we got into it, both of us, isn't it? You know, yeah. I remember seeing... Debbie Harry and Susie Sue, and this whole, you know, I did it, I analysed it a long time afterwards, but it was this idea of women, punk's great for women, they still look like supermodels. And I remember seeing polystyrene and going, and she was gorgeous and she was amazing, but she looked like us. She wore yeah. the clothes we were wearing, you know, and it was like, no, actually, there is something to this. There is something to it, you know? And I'll, we have 
a few trans women coming to our gigs now because they feel safe. Yeah. We have quite a high... I mean, I've got... We, we, went, we, went all, we played an all day. There were seven bands on. I was the only woman on stage. Uh, seven bands. And it turns out that's really not unusual. And it's not because there's not any women in bands. It's bizarre. But the guy who was there went, we've never had so many young lasses in the audience before. Yeah. And it was like, does it make that much of a difference? And then I was thinking, no, it, re- it would have to me. It really yeah. would have to me. Yeah. And there was a lot of women my age, because I was up on stage going, Fuck, can somebody open a window? Like, I'm going through the menopause here. It's killing us. And I'm not stick thin, and I'm not gorgeous. And I could see all these women my age sort of going, it, it almost felt like doing it. And it, it this sounds really twee. But it was like, yeah, you've never seen anybody like you on stage before. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, you know, yeah. all these women getting up the dance, never seen us before, didn't have a clue. But they were like, oh, yeah, we totally get what you mean, mate. We've gone through it and all. And, and it was just, you've never had a chance to connect with anybody. Yeah. And it really yeah. does make a difference. It makes a massive difference. Yeah. And it makes you realise, yeah, that's they're the connections that I made. You know, I'm, I'm blown away that I'm good friends with Becky from Vice Squad. Yeah. Because I had her posters on my wall. You know, yeah. and the fact that she supports us, sends us messages, we've met, and she's just my friend. That doesn't happen. And, well, it might happen in other genres. Yeah. But punk feels quite, you know, that I've got to be friends with Tommy, that I've got to be yeah. that friends with Betty, that these people are happy to go, yeah, yeah we'll give you some insight, we'll support you, yeah. we'll promote your band. Yeah. We'll hang out with you at the bar. Yeah. I don't know. You know, I can't I mean, imagine it happening anywhere else. I mean, it's something that Tommy would, would pick out every now and again, and he would talk about the punk community. And it's kind of like, it's, it's similar to what my dad would always try and create. Because it's all about communities. It's all about people coming together. And it's all about tolerance within inside a community. And it's all about helping each other. I, I did a, I did something on Friday, and uh, I, I and I said this somebody was talking about taking over a pub, you know, and I was like, well, what what you need to really do is have a group of people come together and do it as a, he was wanting to do it as a community pub. You need a group of people with, a, a, and I think particularly now at this moment in time where we are politically and socially, that. Yeah. Uh, the, the people, you know, need to come together to protect each other because we're getting attacked left, right and centre from various oh, uh, various angles. And, you know, you, you've always you've always got to protect the, the vulnerable and uh, try and keep those horrible people what, as far away from you as possible, you know. I mean, we, Slalom Jade did a couple of benefit gigs for a local soup kitchen before the, the COVID. Yeah. And maybe partner volunteered. We were delivering the meals and everything like that. And we've had to take a step back from that because 
I found myself in the kitchen, standing next to our UKIP counsellor, who was also a massive Nazi, who organised the biggest Nazi march in Sunderland a couple of years ago. Yeah. And they welcomed him with open arms and told me that I couldn't talk about my mind fate. While you're in here, you're wanting, you don't talk about your politics. And I was like, yeah, that's cool, all right. Mine's the, it's a soup kitchen, so how you can have a soup kitchen without politics is beyond me. And then they invited the Tory councillor down and it was like, for fuck's sake. And in the end, it was like, yeah, well, let them get on with it and let them get their pictures talking. And neither of them go now, you know. But it was, I think it's important. I'm not by no means perfect, and I'm sure we're loads of people can pull us up on loads of stuff. But if I'm on stage and I'm saying, you know, we're, we sing no Pazaran, yeah. then I go to the Black Lives Matter marches, I go to the anti-abortion marches, the people say you fucking, that you mean what you say? Yeah. It's got, you've got to be part of it and you've got to be supportive of the people who are driving it or else you're just on stage going, look at me. Yeah, yeah. I'm saying the right things. Yeah. And I kind of watched a few bands do that and that's all right. I would never call anybody out on it. But you feel kind of let down. Yeah. You know, when you hear... One of the, one of the bands that I love is Chumbawamba because yeah. and everyone goes. Aah. They lived in a squat. Yeah. And one of their gigs in Newcastle, they were basically like, if you can't afford to get in, shoplift something. Yeah. Like bring us a tin of beans, and you were like, they actually like. They they live the same as us. Yeah. So I will listen to them. You know yeah. what anybody else thought. And there was other bands where, you know, they were like, anti-racism, da 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 and you got this march, and we're being attacked by the NF, and there was nobody there. That You were like, well, where the fuck are they? Yeah. You know, I didn't come because of, but I did. They, they you know, they, they, they were the rallying call of where the fucking anybody is. And yeah. I don't want to be that to somebody else. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But actually, I had a, it def definitely in 
yeah, no, I'm not singing about you. You're not doing it right. Or you're not listening properly. Like, it's us. We, yeah. You know. Yeah. See, I, 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 I moved out of London two and a half years ago down to Margate and... I haven't turned my TV on for two and a half years. You know, I just, uh, and I don't want to turn it on. I don't want to watch it. You know, my, my mum's 83 and she just spends a day all watching TV and it, it, it's it's not healthy, you know, and it, it's... Yeah, it's you know. really... I've got personal, first-hand, perfect experience. So my mum ran, ran um, helped run, the food, food banks during the strike. Yeah. My dad worked in the shipyards, but they came out and support the miners because the yeah. shipyard and the, the, the mine were on the same bank of the river. Um, and I was, my dad was a trade unionist. I was brought up. My granddad was one of the blokes who stopped Mosley getting off the train in Sunderland. Yeah. And they couldn't get off the train. The train had to fuck off again. So I was brought up with it. It wasn't overt, but it was just about. And uh, my mum remarried, and I go and visit them now, and talk TV is on the telly every time I go. Yeah. And the view, her views are... And she's a really intelligent woman. Yeah. But because my stepdad, it, like, it, under Gammon in the dictionary, there's a picture of him. Um, she's just bought into all of that. Yeah. And it's like, well, if they can get you, yeah, fucking get anybody. There's, there's and she's going to me. You're wrong, you're wrong with the wrong crowd. And I'm like, I'm 52. Like it's about time you got. Like you brought us up like this. And yeah, I'm, I'm more militant than I was, but not. It can't be a surprise. You know? Yeah. See, for, see, for me, there's, there's been two things in the last five years. Is kind of like that they, they, they got people to believe, and this is social media, and I have no doubt that this was constructed at GCHQ or wherever. They got people to believe that Jeremy Corbyn was a racist. Yeah. This is the most ridiculous notion in the world. Yeah. But people yeah. bought into it, you know, yeah. people who yeah. should know better. And then, they got people to believe that Ken Loach was a racist. Absolutely fucking unbelievable. But yeah. you can see how powerful it is and you can see how, how it can build up, you know, and it, that's, all, that's orchestrated for me. I can remember not so long back, even with Craig, he got, oh, I think you're a fucking liberal. You're not even a socialist. Because I, I was always the one that was like, Look, I can see why people are getting upset. And they're wrong, but I can see. So we need it. You know, I was always doing this balancing act. I really haven't changed. But I am now extreme left. Yeah. Without moving. Yeah. I haven't moved. Yeah. That, everything's shifted around us. And I'm like... Yeah. All, you know, we put a video up and somebody put commie scum. And I was like, well, one, it's kind of a bad job on her. It's fine. Um, but... Like, and people going, oh, you've changed. And I'm like, I really, I haven't. Yeah. I haven't at all. I just came out and went, do you know what? I think 
Jeremy Corbyn isn't perfect, but bloody hell, he's the best we've got. Can yeah. we? You know, and it was like, oh, my God. Terrorist sympathiser. And he was just like, what? Yeah. I have no idea what's going on. Yeah. It's the most... And this whole thing, punks deleting us off Facebook because I called Boris Johnson. And you go on. And it's... What world did I wake up in where... Yeah. I, I feel as if I'm in a different world. Yeah, I really do. Yeah. I don't know whether that's just our age and we yeah. sort of go, you know, we're not, you know, youth is at the centre of the universe and we've kind of, because yeah. I'm the head, I'm like, I'm 20 and my views are valid. Yeah. Everything should be directed at me and aimed at me, but obviously it's not. But yeah, it's, it's, a, it's yeah. a weird kind of intolerance for other people's point of view. Yeah. Uh, and, then being kind of like, and being called intolerant for going. Yeah. I don't yeah. like Nazis, you know. Well, that's, you're supposed to be all for tolerance. You, <laughs> when, when did that? I don't know when it happened. I missed see, it. I missed that message. See, I, 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 have, I spoke to Insure 82 with some friends okay. and I, I went to the same gig that Menzie went to the, the second time that they, they played when they reformed. I, I left halfway through and he, he left a similar time and I'm happy that I went because and then at least I understand what I hate. You yeah, know what I mean? You got I, 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 I understood it and I'm like, I'm glad I went because more so than anybody else who can just point a finger I can say I, I I understand that that is not something that I want in my life, you know. Similar yeah. to the crass gig of kind of like felt that you're yeah. being preached to, you know. I just, I don't know when this kind of working class hate for the left, well, Star yeah. is just embodying it, isn't it? If you want yeah. to pick a line, I want to suck you. Yeah. Yeah. What the? And Jeremy Corbyn's still there, so, yeah. yeah. See, I, Boris, Boris was my next door neighbour in, no. in 1989. No. <laughs> but six of us moved into this big house off Highbury Fields, right? And he, he was there for about three months. I refused to talk to him. This is when he was just on the TV. He was a toss pot. He was a toss pot, but I refused to talk to him. And I knew this is when he was just doing it. Have I got news for you? Uh, and I, I, the others would talk to him, and I, I, I'm, nah, I'm not talking to him. So I just get. I'm, I wish I had have done that because I would have given him a mouthful if I'd have known what he was doing. But I also course of history. <laughs> and also, I spent four years playing football against Keir Starmer. And when they first joined the league, which is an eight-a-side league, right in central right. London, I just had him down as a, a posh lad. You know, that, was, that was it because he was yeah. a lawyer and they, they, they were, it was a lawyer, mainly a lawyer team. They had, I'm still mates with one of the players who was a winger, uh, who, who wasn't a lawyer, uh, Xavier. Uh, but I just, and I had quite a few ding-dongs with him on the pitch because I'm, I'm quite physical. And uh, and I just had him down as a posh lad, you know. I mean, he could play football yeah. in fairness to him and he could mix it up. But, you know, he, he, he just, for me... You know, it's like when when Tony Blair got in, I phoned my dad up and I went, "Oh, that's brilliant, fantastic!" Because that's the first time Labour had been in in my yeah, well, adulthood. You know, yeah. in my adulthood, and he said, "Oh, I don't think it's a good thing." You know, see, 
I used to work for a guy who was at all punk, um, but he had a lot of money. I mean, he was a decent bloke. Yeah. Paid us all fair. One of the last bosses I worked with, who was really fair, didn't skim loads off, you know, drove, drove an ordinary car and everything. Um, and I remember going, and yes, Tony Blair. Because it was the first time I'd voted. Yeah. And it made a difference. And he went, it's not a good thing, Faye. And I remember going, I didn't have you down for a Tory. All right, then. And now I'm just like, you smart-ass bastard. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But at the time, yeah, it was just, can we get rid of them by any means necessary? Yeah. But this is when the media comes in, because the media kind of like paints this illusion. My, my issue, and obviously this would never go on the, the internet, 